This is an Audible. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for coming back for another episode of The War Cleric, as read by me, Sam Center. You'll have to excuse me if at any point this recording is interrupted by girlish screaming or the sound of hands flapping wildly. The rain has caused a lot of the spiders to come inside, and there's now a little insurgency forming in my basement. Every time I come down here, there's a spider or two that needs to be killed. And if you don't know, I have a mild to moderate, very real arachnophobia. Uh, Notoriously, I destroyed a chunk of ceiling in my wife and I's first apartment because I used a college textbook to swoosh one that was crawling around up there and actually threw it so hard I destroyed a good chunk of what was up there. So, if that does happen, I apologize. As I've said before, I don't have the time or energy to do multiple takes of things. That's why every once in a while I stumble over my words or say, um, I wish that I was getting paid for this. I wish that I was a professional so that I could make everything perfect, but we have to work with what we have. And I am working full time and raising a family, but that is neither here nor there because I'm in the basement. The candle is lit. And so we must dive in. I thought originally this was going to be a weekly series. It turns out that it might be every other week, or at least the episode I recorded last hasn't been posted yet. It should go up tomorrow. It's currently May 23rd as I'm recording this, 8.13 p.m. If you're curious about that stuff, I know I always am. I meant to ask Tom about it, but here's something you might not know, even if you're a longtime talk shop listener. He is actually a very terrifying and scary administrator. He regularly chokes and beats us, um, which is particularly impressive because he lives actually... A number of hours away from me so I don't know how he pulls it off but I know that I am always very intimidated to bring these things up so whenever this goes up whenever the next one goes up whenever any of these go up I hope that you're enjoying them but as of now it means that I have no feedback to address on the last episode but my ego assures me that probably tears were wept people began to believe in American literature again the written word is surpassing that of blockbusters such as Transformers, and maybe, just maybe, there's a little kid out there who's believing in themselves again, thanks to my writing. Um, So, without further ado, let us dive in to this week's, uh, or this bi-week's episode of The War Cleric, starting with Chapter 6. The hare twitched its stubby nose left and right, shaking long whiskers as it sniffed at the coastal breeze. It sat like a little lump of pudge, anchored in the sand next to a large black stone that was closer in size to a boulder than a pebble. Ank stood with bare feet and stretched his toes against the sand, eyeing the furry creature and wondering why he had been brought down to the beach for a private lesson. "'Pay close attention, my boy!' Luminous Hildedy smiled, with the corners of of her lips cranked high against her cheeks in the same way a cat might use to taunt a mouse." I have been entrusted with teaching you something very important, and I will not fail in my duty. Aye, aye, Ank learned that there was never a bad time to use the cleric's official acknowledgement. All you have to do is go for a nice run down the beach, she motioned towards the the hair and the stone, while carrying those. Ank felt his left eyebrow raise. How far would you like me to go? There's not a specific distance. Continue running until I say that you are finished. Do not stop to rest, and glory help you if you lose either one of your passengers. 
The rock was heavy and awkwardly shaped. It was immediately cumbersome to cradle against Ankh's shoulder as sharp points prodded the delicate flesh of his armpit. He attempted to find some semblance of balance as he gripped the wrinkled neck of the engorged hair and hugged it tight against his chest. Beady black eyes rolled upwards from the fuzz, questioning why there had been a need to leave the soft ground. Not so terribly difficult, is it? Hildity chuckled. I suppose I should officially state that the use of transmolecularization is absolutely forbidden during this exercise. Do not try and make your load lighter. I cheated during my own rabbit run, you know, and they made me sleep on the beach for over a month. It gets quite chilly down here at night when the tide rolls in. Understood. Shall I begin then? His annoyance had already started to rise. The task seemed to be as nonsensical as it was strenuous. Yes, the harder you push yourself, the sooner it will end. This beach goes on for at least fifty miles, and I have no problem forcing you to run its full length as many times as it takes. May I at least ask what the purpose of this is? Ank groaned. No, you may not, the response was stern. Now move. Tiny specks of sand whipped from the edges of Ank's feet as he launched into a full sprint. The raw power of his brother's body never ceased to amaze him. The incredible muscles in his legs tightened like a coil with every impact, anxious to shoot him forward farther. The typically smooth motion was made awkward with his arms full, however. He found himself hobbling from side to side as he adjusted his arms, attempting to find an optimal way to carry his strange load. As sweat began to grease Ankh's skin, the hair slowly slipped down through the hole in his coiled arm until it was caught by its neck. The majority of the body flapped behind them like a banner waving in the wind. He tried to tighten his grip until he realized that he was choking the poor animal. Its eyes widened from the loss of air. He quickly loosened his arm and tried to push the creature forward, but doing so caused him to arch with his other arm and he stabbed himself with one of the rock's protrusions. He yelped and arched his back, but doing so caused his entire center of gravity to slip away and he tumbled head over foot into the sand. Finished already? Hildity hollered from where he had started. You will have to do a lot better than that if you want to be finished before nightfall. The hare used its giant feet to kick itself over from its side while whipping the sand from its face. Ank was pleased to see that his furry companion had not been injured in the fall. He quickly scooped it up and placed it down squarely on top of the rock before picking them both up together. As he started running again, the hare arched his head up towards the sky to catch the wind. It seemed to enjoy riding atop the stone, and though it was as though it was its own personal meteor. The first ten miles went by pleasantly. The morning sunshine baked the waterfront, causing the microscopic pieces of glass hidden within the sand to sparkle brightly. Small waves rolled in from the ocean and melted into the earth, sending smooth splashes of salt water across the route. The clean air was invigorating. Even as his biceps and forearms started to ache from the combined weight of his load, Ang found himself humming a mindless tune to the hare, whom he decided to name Frampton. There had never been a running partner better than Frampton. The miles grew longer, but he never lost its spirit. He hunkered down and allowed his neck to bop in a natural swing. Escape was the last thing on its mind. Plump beads of sweat formed on top of Ang's brow, dripping just enough to irritate his eyes as he pressed forward. Tiny shards of broken seashells nipped at his heels, drawing tiny slits that burned a little more every time he made impact with his stride. His lungs began to burn with every inhalation. How much further can she really expect you to go? Nordstrom had been uncharacteristically quiet until that moment. All of this tedious exercise bores me. 
I do not know how long we have been running. Dehydration cracked Ang's lips and caused them to flake like snakeskin. The sprint slowed to a run, which then eased into a shuffle. His ankle started to weigh him down, scraping against the floor and creating mounds to trip him. How would that old coot even know if you stopped? We left her behind. Fancy a swim. Ank had to ignore the temptation. He plowed on. I see. They would not have set you on this task if they had no way of observing you. Better to follow instructions and avoid harsher punishments. Still, I hope we see an end to this soon. It did not end, not even when the sun relinquished its throne and began sinking back into the horizon. Ank's arms dangled below his waistline, and his shaking grip was quickly slipping away from the awful rock. Frampton remained mostly content, but had started to adjust himself more frequently. The world had blurred. Grey dots swarmed the corner of Ank's peripheral vision, slowly growing inward to render him unconscious. The black tunnel beckoned, and he began to drift away. That is enough! Hildedy's voice shocked him back from the void. She sat comfortably in a ratty bed of weeds. With a groan and an exaggerated stretch, she pushed herself up. Took you long enough. Glory be. All of this sitting and relaxing has been quite taxing on my old bones. Go on, then. Drop your load. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was no need to repeat the order. Ink collapsed to his knees. Trying to stay mindful, he lowered the rock as carefully as he could to allow Frampton to hop off. Now then, shall we begin our lesson? Hildedy bent over and lifted the cursed stone above her head. Without hesitation, she positioned it over Frampton's delicate body and slammed it down. There was an audible crack on impact, and the poor hair bounced up before crumpling into a splattered pile. Ank would have gasped if he had not already been struggling to catch his breath. What are you waiting for? Hildedy scorned. Save the poor thing for glory's sake. It has not perished. Yet. Panic shot Ink tumbling through the rocky sand. He took in the full scene. The once adorable animal was a sad stew of jetting bone and pulling blood. There was a total loss. Stop and find your head, Hildedy tried to refocus. A cleric's first priority is to heal the sick and ease suffering. Do you believe that you will always have an infinite amount of time to plan and administer your treatments? Traumatic intervention is a significant part of what we do, no matter our specialization. You need to be able to save lives, even if you are tired and sore. Now, do something or your rabbit will die. Ank sobbed. Hare, he mumbled. What? Frampton was a bloody hare. There's a difference between a hare and a rabbit, you know? Ank cried. The longer, straighter ears. That is how you could tell which is which. Laughter. <laughs> you named the damn thing. I have always known that you were a compassionate young man, but I never pegged you to be the kind who would form such attachments. Rabbit or hare, it will not matter if you allow Frampton to die. Ank scrambled. He maneuvered his shaking hands over his injured friend, deciding where to prod first. So this is their version of a field examination, Nordstrom mused. How effective. Your first priority is to make sure the thing is breathing with a heartbeat. Check for a pulse in the thigh. Frampton's chest stuttered to rise and fall. It took several tries to overcome the sudden spike in adrenaline, but a finger to the inner leg confirmed that there was a fading life within him. Grab some wet sand and seal those wounds. Ink grabbed handfuls of the coast and started packing while Hildedy watched silently from above. Your pet is almost certainly going into hypovolemic shock. There's not enough fluid left to keep its heart beating. Hydration is an absolute priority. Dig a trench and fill it with seawater.
Ink did as he was told. Place your hands into the reserve and give haste to the blue dots. He closed his eyes and his mind was filled with a flurry of white and blue orbs, bouncing off one another in a mess of randomized movement. He fed speed into the blue ones, spurring them on to a hellacious frenzy. They began crashing into other bubbles and knocking them out of the ring. When he opened his eyes, the water was a clear blue, with a crystallized layer of salt forming at the basin's rim. Now we just need to figure out how to get it to drink. Ink turned back to assess the problem, but his shoulders sank. Frampton had quietly gone completely still. The poor animal is dead. There's no plausible way that you can resuscitate it. Nord Nordstrom growled. Was he also angry? Ank lowered his head. The cause is lost. I cannot redeem this creature luminous. The clear liquid leaking from its ears signifies that the brain has been traumatized beyond repair. Tears began to collect. Hildity straightened. You have performed admirably. Everything that you have learned has prepared you for traditional injuries. You can manipulate matter and create cures, but they are only as effective as the basic laws of chemistry allow them to be. You cannot simply transform wood into gold any more than you can suddenly repair a brain bleed. Chemical exchange comes at the expense of matter and energy. You and I might not like it, but that is the way of things. Was I to perform the pure blood gambit? Oh my, I should not have to tell you this, but your blood is not compatible with an animal. Please tell me there is some hidden value to this macabre demonstration. Of course, there might not be a traditional or natural way to fix this, but there is one last option. It is our most divine and secretive gift, the Covenant. Please tell me more. The glory allows us to nominate souls that we deem worthy to enter into a covenant. If accepted, they sacrifice their humanity to be transformed into pilgrims. Any wound can be mended. Even the dead can find a new life. Why do we not use this great power to remove all suffering from the great kingdoms? Death is hardly suffering, my boy. It is a well-earned rest at the end of a long journey. We would all be much better off leaving the whole business be. Still, there are some who reach the finale before their time. Determining who is worthy of a pilgrimage is a skill that will take several lifetimes to perfect. To start, you must understand the cost. Pilgrims may look and act like regular mortals, but they are far from it. In exchange for a prolonged life, they must accept a calling. The specifics of the agreement vary from soul to soul, but if an accord can be reached, pilgrims are born anew. They are stronger, faster, and zealously devoted to their one singular cause. Free will must be completely abandoned. Ank wrapped his arms around his knees and rocked himself. They exchanged freedom for survival. Precisely. Clerics alone are entrusted with making such bargains. Never take the responsibility lightly. How might I do such a thing? A smile grew across Hildedy's face. Allow me to demonstrate. Let me see your friend here on the ground. What did you name him? Fur trap or some nonsense? Frampton, Ank mumbled. Yes, that was it. She clapped. Covenants are typically forbidden for lower creatures. The glory allows us this one exception for instructional purposes. Please watch closely as I can absolutely never do this again. Hildy placed one of her hands upon Frampton's collapsed corpse and raised the other to the sky. It is difficult to fully explain, but when you have transcended, you will learn how to open yourself to the powers above. Soul communion is what powers the ritual. She closed her eyes and hummed a sweet melody for several minutes while rocking back and forth. 
Her eyes ignited with a dazzling display of golden energy. She pulled a silver chain from around her neck and revealed a small glass vial dangling from it. This is charisma oil, she explained. It lubricates the boundary between life and death. Only a few drops exist, and it is practically impossible to manufacture. It is one of the most precious tools you will ever carry, and you must guard it with your life. She rubbed a drop between her fingers and anointed the hair's shattered forehead. Frampton, go no further, she beckoned. I hereby commend you to bond yourself to me in a covenant. Rise up and breathe again if you dare. Accept the eternal role of companion to the herald who carried you here. Ease the sorrows in his life. Be a loving friend, even when there are no others. Accompany him to the darkest corners of oblivion. If you can do this, rise and be made glorious. A cyclone of holy fire twisted down from the heavens and coiled itself within Frampton's limbs. The magic bloated the carcass, pushing out in all directions until it exploded into piercing white light. Ank was thrown back by the impact. He buried his face into his arm. When the smoke had cleared, Frampton was sitting up within a smoking crater, its nose twitching wildly once again. Usually we repurpose our pilgrimed wildlife into a nice stew, Hildedy grinned. You just seem so attached to the damn thing that I decided he was better off with you instead. Ank rose from where he had landed and bowed. I offer my most sincere appreciation, Luminous. Hildedy rolled her eyes. I bet you do. Now pick up this little sod. It is a very long way back, and I am certainly not going to carry it. Chapter 7 After twelve arduous years, your time as our students is coming to an end. Braddock beamed from the podium at the front of the lecture hall. Over the next ten days, each of you will individually face judgment against the transcendence. The specific nature of the ceremony is one of our most highly guarded secrets. But I want to be clear. Everything we have taught you, every trial and tribulation, has been to prepare you for this final test. You will be held accountable, and there is no margin for error. This is designed to push you to your absolute limit. There is not a single member of our order who does not remember every minute detail of their own test. Ank felt knelt with his fellows. His knees pressed hard against the cold marble that covered the enormous lighthouse's bottom floor. The air was heavy with a shared angst. Not one dared to look up and face Braddock as he delivered the address. Once you have transcended, you will shed the rank of Herald and earn the hallowed title of Radiant. He clapped his hands as the other faculty joined with him. But only five of you can be sent out to apprentice under a practicing cleric. The rest of you will remain here at Magna Lucius. You will continue your training under an assigned luminous so that one day you can become educators for the next generation after you. He hushed his tone. I am keenly aware of how deeply you all wish to become clerics, but please listen to me now. There is no shame in being named as a Luminous. In truth, I can remember my own disappointment when I inherited the role, but I can personally assure you that it was not warranted. I have found myself more than fulfilled in my duties. Being your teacher has been one of the greatest honors of my life. He lowered his head in reverence. Beyond that, there is more than enough excitement to be found in our research. The curiosities of today become the cures of tomorrow. Why, 
Just last solstice, Luminous Gresscow discovered a variant of the Fret Root that is now being used as our strongest antitussive. Simply revolutionary! Gresscow was standing to the left of the platform. She placed her hands over her abdomen and bowed. You honor me, Braddock? You honor yourself with your ingenuity, Braddock praised. So, you see, dear children, there is glory to be found no matter where you are sent. Let that comfort you in the labors to come. No matter the result, you are all wonders. Aye, aye, the instructors cheered. Aye, aye, the students echoed. In preparation of this great endeavor, I must deliver one final lecture. Braddock closed his throat. Cleared his throat. <laughs> I was wondering. Closing his throat would kill him. He cleared his throat, everybody. Don't worry, he didn't spontaneously stop breathing and die. He cleared his throat. Ink groaned internally as the hard flooring seemed to push its way up into his hips. They were required to stay on one knee for as long as the lesson dragged on. Comfort was seen as a fumbling weakness. The claustrophobic design of the circular chamber always seemed to close in around him during the long hours. He scanned one of the many charts that decorated the walls, searching for some new detail to excite his imagination. Despite all of the fanfare, anatomy and physiology were some of the most boring subjects that he had ever been exposed to. First a review. Do not fear, for it is a simple one, Braddock began to pace back and forth. Harold Tolvin? Tolvin quickly stood up in his place. I? Who was the first of our kind? The paterfamilias, Arpikshad. Correct, you may kneel. Braddock continued his slow march. And how did he come to possess the ability to perform his miracles? Harold Debjack? Debjack stood. When the great plague that we call the Agaritudo Vermoris threatened to eradicate all life, he fled to the desert and cried out with all of his might. He pleaded to the glory for a cure. He endured the searing heat for seven days, screaming and begging the entire time. By the seventh night, his entire body was burned raw with the exception of his right forearm. This is how he was granted the first mark, the Empyrean Mercy. With this, he found that he was able to manipulate atomic matter from the world around him. He used this ability to end the epidemic. That is the story that you have been told since your very first days with us. Braddock took a deep breath. But there is much more to the tale than we tell you as young children. For example, the Agaritudo Verimoris itself was actually a venereal disease that spread from a forbidden affair between Ezriel, glory of passion, and Munis, shame of perversion. There was stifled laughter throughout the room. I am serious. In fact, the only reason that the great Arpikshad had to call upon the gods for so long is that they could not hear him over the gratuitous moans of the unholy copulation. The scrolls say that the screams echoed like thunder across the spectral plains. There was more laughter as Braddock jaunted around, imitating the wild screams. Ank could not always discern what was a joke and what wasn't. It is all true, Nordstrom shuddered. I was there. Braddock's smile widened. I am glad to see that you have all maintained your senses of humor despite our best attempts to snuff them out. Never undervalue the influence of levity, especially in trying times. His face grew solemn once again. Glory and shame are bound in the orbit. 
one always follows the other, in the same way that passion and debauchery come together to destroy us, so were others combined to provide amelioration. Fleur, glory of mortality, and Mackay, shame of carnage, were ordained to end our suffering. Together they bent the natural laws governing life and death. They offered Arpikshad unlimited access to a deep pool of cosmic knowledge, but it came at a high price. Progress always does. Sho stood without orders to do so. Luminous, what was the cost of such a gift? You will understand soon enough, Braddock said. For now, all you must know is that he willfully accepted the bargain. By doing so, he saved our species and birthed the greatest organization of healers that the world has ever known. He raised his arms. And soon you will find your place among us. Go now, my dear children. You will return to your tents and wait until we call for you. Use the time to meditate. Reflect on your goals and ambitions. The future is in your hands. Seize your fates with steadfast wills and see yourselves forged in glorious purpose. Your transcendence has officially begun. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I really like these chapters. I think they're fun world building. They add to the mythos. It's a little bit goofier. I really liked the hare and the rabbit thing. But again, I don't know if I'm just revealing more about just how dark my kind of sense of humor is. Because even as I was reading it, I was like, man, this is supposed to be like the childish fairy tale part. And a rabbit gets its skull bashed in by a rock. So I don't know. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> I hope you're having fun. This is what I think of as fun in like children's stories. Um, but it's fun. I really like the way the characters bounce off of each other. You'll notice that I definitely speed through the whole magic school kind of thing. Um, it's because we've all done that. Harry Potter was a whole series. Percy Jackson is a whole thing. If you get bogged down in just going to class after class after class, it kind of gets boring. And I wanted to do something different. I had a very specific story I was trying to tell. And to do that, I had to get through the school stuff in the first half. And I had to get to where the story goes in the second half. But I hope that the world building isn't punching you in the face or beating you over the head. I hope that you're having fun kind of getting to see how everything works. Uh, pay special note to pilgrims and how they are brought into life uh, through a covenant and everything like that. Anyway... Uh, there is a chance that if this is going to be a bi-weekly thing, I might go to three chapters an episode, just because I I don't know. I don't know that 25 minutes is going to be enough to hold people over <laughs> for two weeks. You'll probably lose interest pretty quick, or maybe it makes it more fun. I don't know. Um, feel free to reach out and let me know what you think. Anyway, as always, I'm so grateful that you took time to listen to this today. It took a half hour out of your life to let me read you my story. It really does mean a lot. Um... I'm always open to feedback. I'd love to hear what you're thinking, even if it's not positive. I can't know what sucks until somebody tells me. I'm having fun reading it, though. If nothing else, this was definitely a book written for me by me, and I hopefully other people can come along for the ride. Okay, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, and, you know, be happy where you are.